Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am so excited today to be here with Ashley Morgan Jackson. Ashley is an author, a speaker, a social media expert, and she works full-time for Proverbs 31 Ministries. She has ministered to her own online community for over 10 years, and today we get to talk about her brand new amazing book, called Tired of Trying, How to Hold On to God When You're Frustrated, Fed Up, and Feeling Forgotten. So Ashley, thank you for being here with us to share your heart and your story. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, before we get started talking about your new book, um, so this is going to air on the 7th. I believe your book comes out on the 1st, right, of August? That's right, yep. So it's like brand spanking new, And but before we get into it, um, we like to ask all of our guests what is your favorite prayer closet? So where do you like to go? It could be very typical. It could be off the wall. Where do you go to feel close to God and pray? Well, um, immediately the first thing that I have to have is my journal. I I journal all my prayers. So if I have my journal, then really there's several places that I go. I have a comfy chair that is in my living room. I do love to be outside our backyard. It's not ideal or picturesque, but sometimes I'll go out there and just sit on one of our little metal rocking chairs. Um, Or I'll actually go into my actual closet, which I have like some little string lights in there. And when I need to get real serious, that's where I got to (laughs) go. I love that. So first of all, I love the journal because um, Alana, my co-host, is a big journaler. And she talks about that. Her journal is kind of her prayer closet. She's got many journals for all different kinds of, of journaling and praying, but, um, but you can take it anywhere, no matter where you are, whether you're speaking or traveling or in an unideal place, like you can take it with you. I love that. Yeah. I love it so much. It helps me stay focused rather than my mind wandering. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, so we're going to talk a little bit about your brand new book, Tired of Trying. And in this book, I just want to start by thanking you for being so vulnerable and transparent in this book, because I just found myself being sucked into your story, um, wanting to know what happened next because it's so relatable. And I think Mm -hmm. it's relatable in a way because... So many of us, whether we struggle with anxiety or depression or difficult situations or just any kind of internal battle, we cover it up. So like we don't see women struggling mm. because it's very easy to wear a mask and mm. and and fake it till you make it and make everyone yeah. think you're OK. So thank you for that, because it was like this window into um, just a very vulnerable struggle for you. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like it's very isolating. And so the Lord just gave me the grace somehow to be able to just take a look inside of my guts, everyone. (laughs) So yeah, it's hard, but I I pray that the Lord, it does like bring comfort to some people. Well, and not just comfort, but like, I just see healing. Like I see Mm -hmm. because the enemy uses isolation. I think that's one of his biggest tactics to keep us from healing And so everything festers in this internal monologue that gets so toxic and, but yeah, so I, I just, I I know that this book is going to bring healing and, and I just pray that for this conversation as well. So, um, well, so you talk about this, basically it's a five-year period of life that you call your wrestling season. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So can you just kind of give us that 
like give us an overview in kind of a nutshell of that time frame. What did that look like and what you were feeling and experiencing and going through? Okay, yeah. So for me, I had kind of had a pretty safe or easy life growing up and it didn't necessarily line up with the way I thought it would, but I was used to basically being the go-to ministry girl, if that makes sense. Um, (laughs) I would like to say that if I had a cot, I probably would have slept at the church. You know, I was just there for everything. I was super involved in all the things. I did missionary work. It was just a huge part of my life. And so this kind of kicked off for me sadly to say when I got married and had my first child, because it was a huge transition. I didn't realize that I, my personality doesn't do well with change. And I had so much change all at once. Um, But I think what was really happening was I had my identity wrapped up in what I did for God. And all of a sudden I couldn't do that because as soon as I had my son, I didn't know, but I was hit with postpartum depression and it really just ravaged me. And I had no idea that was the situation that I was dealing with. I just thought I was a horrible mom. I thought I, I wasn't cut out for it. Um, and so much shame, so much um, bad and crazy messages that were in my head that I couldn't control. And so that stretched out and we had moved to a new state in the middle of that, some more change. And so I was a stay at home mom. We had one car. So I was super isolated just with all of that. And so I was dealing with all of that within myself while not having any support system. And so I kept wanting to just learn the lesson, whatever the lesson is, just tell me the lesson, Lord, so I can learn it and move on because I give me the cliff notes. Like that's, I've been there. I'm like, just give me the notes. Like I will take the bullet points and I'll, I'll do whatever you want with them. I just want to move on. (laughs) That's so true. And I think I was frustrated in the way of like, don't you know my heart, Lord? I want to obey you. I want to get this. But what I didn't realize was that it was the process that was making the change, not just the knowledge that I needed to change. And so he let it hurt way longer than I wanted it to. Not only was I dealing with all this stuff internally, being a new mom, we were very much struggling financially, you know, so many hard things can could lost our place where we were living, lost our car, had to move in with my parents. It was just like getting beat up over and over and over again. And I know so many people go through those seasons where it's like, can we get a break? That would be awesome. Um, my, my husband lost his father and his job, and it was just a lot of things all at once. And the Lord just was asking me over and over again, even if this doesn't look or feel like you want it to, will you trust me? Will you hold on to me? And I eventually, (laughs) it was a process, but it eventually got to the point, like, I have nowhere else to go. Like Peter said, where else am I going to go, Lord? Um, You have the answers that I need. And so just held on to him for dear life. So that was kind of a snippet of that season for me. Yeah. And, you know, in the book, you go into some really specific details of how, I mean, it wasn't just, oh, I feel like I'm a bad mom. It was like 
Like I think about you in the car mm. being overwhelmed with it. Can you just give that little anecdote? Cause I felt like that was, that was a deep period of despair where you mm. experienced overwhelming feelings, but you couldn't convey them to the people that loved you the most. And I, I just, could you share that story? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think it was for a lot. This frustration was building and building. I almost got like a picture of like a boiling pot and you try to keep a lid on it for so long. And it just, I felt, I think I might even say this in the book where I felt like I was in a glass case screaming, but nobody could hear me and nobody knew what to do. And that just makes you feel crazy because you're like, is this actually happening to me? And like, why doesn't anybody want to save me or help me or, or get it? And so, yeah, this particular story, I, I was constantly, one of my biggest fears, and it's still something that I have to work on is, you know, people misunderstanding me or people um, thinking uh, the wrong thing about me being misjudged or what have you. And so in this particular moment, it was like, my brother was mad at me because I was taking my mom's attention for this and said some very rude, mean things to me. And we were about to go to the pumpkin patch (laughs) to, you know, be all festive, you know, you can't quit living life just because you're having a mental breakdown. And so in that moment, I felt like I needed to escape, but I didn't know how it was just everything inside me. And so what I ended up doing in that moment And this also thinking about it is like, wow, this is like really crazy behavior, but I don't know what was making me do it, except that it was going to bring me relief, but I was taking my nails and just dragging them across my arm or my legs. Just like I wanted someone to save me. I think I thought I have to act extra crazy because just saying it with my words, they're not, they don't, aren't seeing what I, I felt like I was acting out what I felt in my soul. Like it just felt desperate and started like hitting my own leg. And my husband like pinned my hand to my leg. My parents were in the in the backseat. They're visiting us from out of state. My kids are little. I get to my brother's house and I rip open the door and I'm, you know, in my Sunday church clothes. And I just start running down the street. I don't know where I was running to. The thing was, is that my family was furious with me for just acting out of control. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to act like that either. I just desperately wanted help and relief and I didn't know how to get it. And so that was one of those moments for me and just the bubbling over of this is what you're dealing with. You, You have to face this. You can't no longer, you can no longer stuff this down and Christianize it. (laughs) That's not going to work anymore. And so I felt like the Lord even allowed me to get to that point. And it was awkward after that and having to come back to my family and be like, yeah, I just ran down the street in my boots. It's fine. (laughs) You know? Uh, (laughs) But yeah, it just, for me, it was a moment of desperation coming out in a physical way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can relate to that. I mean, I, I, I went through kind of a period of I don't even know now how many months of it. It wasn't years, but it was months of anxiety that was that type. Mm. And it was very interesting. I, I remember one time at a um a life group, small group meeting, 
at our church and there was a conversation that was taking place and some of my anxiety had to do with health anxiety. Mm. And there was a conversation about health going on at the someone's health. And it, it was like a trigger. And I, it was the same thing. I live in Alaska. It was, you know, minus 16 outside wow. and I had to get out of there. And I just, I left unexplainably and I went for a walk around the church and just outside to, yeah. for the same reason. I didn't know I had to get out. And yeah. it's so interesting because I've talked at length about that time in my life through our podcast. I've blogged about it for the reason that you shared your experiences, because I mm. know I'm not alone. And every little bit that I share, I get so many women saying, mm. oh my gosh, I can relate. And, you know, so the interesting thing is I did share as much as I could with my husband and with other people, but I talked to my husband about it a few weeks ago and he's like, oh, I didn't know it was like that for you. Like, yeah. like he had almost like forgotten. And to me, this time in my life was so, mm. I felt like it was so big and overwhelming, yeah. but it just reminded me how capable we are of putting a mask on, of making everything look mostly okay. And I would, I would suspect that even with that one day of, what happened there with you acting differently, it, it didn't convey nearly the extent of what you were feeling to the people around you that you thought it did. Do you know what I mean? Completely. I think that's such a good way to describe it because it is just like you, you said, I would say the, the craziest things to my husband during that time. And he would just say nothing. And it made, it made it so much worse. (laughs) And I think like, that is just such an interesting thing of like how lonely it makes you feel because you're like, even the people that like are supposed to love me the most and know me the best are like, what? (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) No. And I know that I, I have, I have friends that I'm just like, how much am I missing? And -hmm. I think this is a reminder to just pray and ask God, open my eyes to the people that I love that are struggling in a way that I, that, that isn't easy to see. Let me pick up on those little cues and those, you know, I mean, we are all busy and even with our spouses, we're in different directions, but help me pick up on those little things that, that would just let me know that, that someone needs help or love or prayer or even just a kind word or encouragement. So, yeah, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Um, so you, you talk about this, like getting, you, you had cried out to God many times, like, help me, help me out of this. I, I want to be obedient. I want the way out, show me and I'll do it. And you just got to this point of being frustrated and feeling tired of trying. And you talk about, there being some unhealthy ways of coping that we can fall into when we get tired of God's silence or lack of action. Can you Mm. talk a little bit about that maybe in general, and then maybe some of your own experiences? Yeah, I think like you already talked about one and that is just pretending (laughs) that we're fine because we don't see a solution. And so we just keep stuffing it down. And I think <laughs> that's what, sometimes what happens is we have to walk around the church or we have to run down the street or what have you, you know, maybe there's something that God's asking us to face um, to, uh, that he wants to unearth, but we don't even necessarily know that 
at the beginning were just like, I just need to get out of here. Um, and so I think understanding that our frustration will often lead to us doing certain things, whether that's um, covering it up or we could be just, we're going to numb out, you know, and I find myself still doing that. It's so easy to do in our society where I'm going to, you know, look at my phone and watch Netflix at the same time <laughs> and hope my brain doesn't think any anxious thoughts in the meantime, you know? Um, there's so many, everyone has different coping mechanisms, so to speak. Um, some people might eat, some people might shop. We're trying to distract ourselves from maybe the things that God is wanting to deal with us. And so I think it takes a lot of courage to look at our own patterns and realize, okay, these are things that I'm using to run away from the feeling rather than maybe saying, okay, Lord, this is not going away. Is there something in this that you need me to look at? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That is so good. And and that goes right into another facet of your story that I just love in this book is you you talk about um when our expectations of how we think God should come through for us don't come close to what we're experiencing in, in our lives, it hurts. Mm. And and you you don't just share that you've been disappointed by God though, but you ask your readers to, when we come to that place of disappointment and hurt and hurt feelings and even anger and rage with God, A, mm -hmm. don't shrink back from sharing it with God because he knows anyway. Right. right. But, but even more importantly, I don't hear this a lot. Stop and evaluate why. And, mm -hmm. you know, what are, you know, like what are some, so what are some reasons that someone if you could give them like a grab bag of reasons to kind of test with their situation, what are some reasons that we might feel disappointed or hurt when, when we don't see God doing what we've asked him to do or to do it or doing it quickly enough? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, it's a good thing to evaluate because I think we don't always associate our feelings of anger or hurt or disappointment with God, because we know logically and theologically God is good and perfect. And we almost don't let ourselves realize that it's connected. Right. Some people might, but I think some of us try to guard that a little bit. So mm -hmm. I think one thing would be unmet expectations, which is just really surface, but you know, we have an idea of how life is supposed to go. It's supposed to go A plus B plus C. And sometimes it just goes straight to Z. And we're like, what? This is confusing and it hurts and it's hard. So unmet expectations would be one. Um, this one will sting a little bit, but entitlement. And this was mm -hmm. a huge one for me. Uh, and the Lord was like, mm, actually, actually, I don't owe you anything. I kind of had this picture of him like, Lord, I did A plus B. You should do C. And why aren't you? And actually, why are you giving C to people who don't even care about you <laughs> and making me watch? 
Oh yeah. I, yeah. All of those sound very familiar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it was this sense of that's not fair. Yes. I have done all of this obeying you doing what was right. And he was just like, you think that I owe you this certain thing, these certain things, but really I've already done everything. When I died on the cross, everything mm-hmm. that you need was done in that moment. And everything else is just this like blessing and overflow. And yes, I'm still going to be good to you actually, but sometimes I would definitely focus on what he hadn't done yet and refuse to look at what he had already done. And so he began to challenge my entitlement a lot during that season. And then maybe one more thing is too, and I think this is in general, I don't know if it's all humans or especially just American society, but we equate love with agreeing with us, giving us what we want, um, anything that is good, feels good, or is easy. And as parents, those of us who are parents know that if we always gave our kids exactly what they wanted, when they wanted, or only did things for them that would feel good, um, they would turn into crazy people. (laughs) Um, And I think the Lord knows the same about us. He's trying to shape us and mold us and make us more like Jesus. And so we are thinking God would only do this if it was good, but sometimes it is good. It just doesn't come packaged like we thought it was going to. Right. And yeah, I mean, it's our definition of good is not necessarily accurate in the grand scheme of eternity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's just hard, but true. Mm -hmm. So I have another story that I would love for you to share, and it is the story of your knee and then the knee again. Like, I mean, that was (laughs) so powerful. Can you just talk about that? Yeah. So what happened with this was uh, this was kind of at the coming toward the tail end of these years. And I was for sure thinking, okay, this is January 1st. We are, this is a new page. I had been in counseling. Things were getting better. Um, At that time, my kids were three and eight months old. And I decided on January 1st that I was going to work out and start this new year on a great foot, you know, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And just a side note for your imaginations, as you listen to this, I was wearing like the bottom drawer pajamas, the gross, (laughs) the gross ones that you pull out and you're just like, no one's going to see this, but my husband and like, who cares? I should have had (laughs) shoes on. I should have had workout clothes on, but no. So I put my little DVD in and I'm working out doing some lunges and my son's baby blanket was on the floor and I slipped on that blanket, fell to the floor. It was immediate excruciating pain and my kneecap was stuck on the side of my leg. And um, so, of course, I screamed, thank goodness my husband was home that day and it was a holiday. So, you know, there's little graces in there, but we lived at the top of a three-story apartment building. <laughs> so there was, I think, 53 or 52 steps all the way up there. And he had to call 911. And we had never had to do that in our marriage up to that point. And so he called them. Um, my parents came over, I think. I forget what the order was because I was screaming as they were carrying me down. Put me in the ambulance, did this whole thing. And I 
I was like, this is not, this is not what I was thinking for this new year. This is awful. And so the next day I had a little brace on it. I was wheeling my eight month old around on the office chair. So I couldn't carry him. My parents ended up coming over and that night I was laying in bed and I was reading and like journaling my prayers, just like, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you really trying to have faith, right? Like you think, okay, this is a hard thing, but I'm going to have faith. I roll out of the bed from that time of prayer and my knee slips off again and it is stuck. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. And scream again for my husband. And we are pleading with the Lord. We couldn't afford the first ride in the ambulance, let alone a second day. And I'm just like, Lord, you can do anything. Please, please, please put it back on. And he didn't. He chose not to. And so we did the whole thing again, called the ambulance, everything going through it all again. And every year I try to choose one word for the year for the Lord to speak to me or teach me something. And (laughs) that year, the word, my word was listen. Mm -hmm. And I was in the back of that ambulance and I was thinking, okay, I'm listening. (laughs) What are you trying to tell me? And the only thing that I heard was this call to surrender. Like, Ashley, you're going to go through this either way. You can go through it with me or without me. And I loved him too much. As much as this painfully hurt, as much as this whole season was shattering, and I just did not understand why it would not stop. It never stopped. It was almost to the point where we started laughing when something else happened because it was like, of course, something Mm -hmm. else. And I just, in that moment, it was a moment of surrender. Like I literally can't do anything. I feel like it can't get worse. And more things happened after that, actually. Um, But it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, if it's going to be this hard, Lord, I would rather go through it with you. So I, I just feel like that moment of, I, I think most of us is, have probably been there, maybe not to that degree, um, but of taking something to God and saying, Lord, I give this to you. I surrender this to you. And, and almost immediately there's a slap in the face. Cause that's mm. what, it, I mean, that's what it had to feel like, right? Yeah. You specifically yeah. are like, all right, I'm, I'm keeping the faith. I'm surrendering. And then this thing happens again, the exact thing that you were giving to him. And it's like, so mm. for those of us and, and our listeners, like what, what was that like for you? And what do you think was the turning point that made you surrender at that moment instead of rage against God? Was it a supernatural, like knowing where you're like, okay, God is here Or was it a conscious choice or what was that like for you? I think I had had so many moments like that leading up to this where my, my natural response in my flesh is to just get crazy. Like I just want (laughs) to, I want to fight everyone. I want to throw a fit, you know, a tantrum. And I felt in that way, like that moment broke me to where like I, in a way, like I didn't have a fight left in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure at what point the Lord kind of 
brought this to my attention, but that it broke my heart that God said no when he could have. He could have done something and he said no. And I just felt him remind me, I got a no from God too. And that was like, wow, like he understands what it's like to be us. And he asked for the cross to be taken, but the, the cross was the only way. And so I guess in those moments, it was in a way of just this, this is the way now for sure. I wasn't like I'm surrendered and everything's easy now. Absolutely not. Things continue to be so hard, but it was just like a marked moment in my journey of, okay, like this is God's allowing this. I don't understand why, but he kept encouraging me, you know, something that he kept bringing to my mind through that whole time, which is confusing. It was confusing at the time, but consider others better than yourself. Consider others better than yourself. And I was thinking, I, th- I think I'm garbage. Like, <laughs> how can I consider others better than, I don't get it. But mm-hmm. it was that I still had, you know, this sense of uh, it's about me. Mm-hmm. It's about what I want. It's about what other people, other people are supposed to save me. Other people are supposed to be doing. And he's like, you already have a savior and Mm, it's not them. So it was a lot of little surrenders along the way. I think that's really what it added up to. That is so good. And so relatable. Um, One last thing before we wrap up that I just have to talk to you about is this idea, because I, selfishly relate to it and want to talk about it (laughs) and hear what you have to say. But you talk about misplaced identity and you ask this question. So this was part of your process and your journey of the process that God had you go through was Mm. realizing your misplaced identity. And you ask the question, what misplaced identity might you have crafted for yourself? Um, And you, you, you look at it through the lens of idolatry on one hand, the the idol of the identity that we craft for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of the coin is the idol of our perceived failures or struggles. The, I do both of those. So can you right. talk about that? What what might that look like? And, and what can we do to dig deep to the roots of those to uproot them? Yeah. So this was like huge for me. And it was like a two, there's two different, like the positive and the negative. So on one side, I was like, my positive identity was Susie super Christian, right? (laughs) I I had gone to Christian school, I knew all the verses, missionary, whatever. And that was my identity. I wanted and was known as that person. And so I, I, what I figured out was that you realize what your identity is based in when it's threatened or when it's taken from you and Mm -hmm. how that like viscerally responds like in your gut if you can't live without it it might be an idol and so for me I realized oh okay this is gone now and I remember grieving it was such a grief of they don't need me they don't want me I have no place I have no purpose because it was all so wrapped up in that. And I didn't know, but all this time I was kind of bowing down to what I could do for God. And so he slowly was prying my bony fingers off of that one. 
But then as I transitioned through this hard time, what I realized was then I then became identified by my depression. And now I was the depressed girl and the sad girl and the one who was always struggling. And I didn't know who I was apart from that. And I remember I picked up this massive book and I think it was called Healing as a Choice. And I think I got into like page two. I don't remember getting very far into it. But one of the questions that they brought up there was when Jesus was talking, I think it's to the man at the pool of Bethesda. And he says to him, do you want to get well? Well, wasn't that obvious? Like he was paralyzed, but it was like this invitation to participate in that and to let go of, but well, this is who I am. This is all I've known for so long. And so I think the first thing to do is just allow the Lord to show us those things. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes the indicator is the pain that we are grieving that we can no longer, I mean, it could be anything, you know, maybe it's motherhood or it's being, you know, super athletic or whatever it is where we have gotten some kind of kickback from whatever that thing is and realizing that isn't our identity. And I think it's hard to understand what does it mean to have our identity in Christ? But I think it's the unshakable person that you are regardless of what changes in your life because things are constantly going to change and if every little thing shakes us that's how we know it's not really in him it's in like others perception of us or whatever what have you does that make sense that is so powerful ashley absolutely (laughs) it really does and (laughs) i i could talk to you for a lot longer but i know we got to wrap up so I highly recommend all of our listeners read this book. It's amazing. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find your book, where they can connect with you online? Yeah. So you can find my book really wherever um, books are sold. I have it on my website, which is actually morganjackson.com. And if you want to hang out on Instagram, I'm at ashley.morgan.jackson. And that's where I'm most on social media. Okay. We will get that information out to everybody so they can follow you and connect with you. Well, Ashley, thank you for being here. This is um, this book is so powerful, and just um, thank you again for putting putting your heart out there for all of us to to benefit from to 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 just bring healing to point people to Jesus and and yeah, we would love to pray for you to close out our time. Of course, I would love that. Um, anything in particular, do you have any specific prayer requests or, Oh, um, yeah. Uh, with just everything coming with the book coming out is just a lot of like pressure and decisions that I have to make and just spiritual warfare. Really. I think a lot of random things end up popping up and I don't always realize that this could be an attack or anything like that. So that would be great. All right. Well, thank you, Ashley. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you so much for Ashley and just for her willingness again to just put her, put her story, her heart, her transparent um, life out there to provide a, a way for healing for, I know, countless women. Lord, we just pray for this book that you would just open the floodgates, allow it to reach 
more women than Ashley could ever have even imagined. Um, we just pray that you would um, cut through red tape, that you would um, open avenues that she didn't expect to be open for women to get this book into their hands. And um, we just pray that it would it would bring salvations to women who've never met Jesus and freedom through that route. I pray that it would bring just resurrected lives out of stagnant or or um, previously turned away from Christians, if they've turned away from Christ and, and that they would rediscover him in a new way and just find you and the healing and the peace that you bring. Um, and Lord, we just, we just pray that, that you would go before her in every way. We pray for all of the decisions that go into um, releasing a book. And we just ask that you would order her thoughts, that you would allow your voice to be heard above all of the noise of everyone else and their opinions and their desires and wishes. Um, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't make sense in worldly standards, that that you would just give her a knowing and confirmation through your word, through other people of the very next steps that she should take. Um, and we just pray that you would give her long-term vision as well for what the next steps are after this book. And God, we just pray for her um, spiritually that you would place a hedge of protection around her, protect her marriage, protect her family, protect her spirit, protect her mind, God, that she would just um, have a guard around her mind and that you would not allow any um, negative influences or attacks from the enemy in and and that you would just help her to be meditating on truth and um, and good things and um, and affirmations, um, much like the ones that she talks about in her book, Lord. We just thank you so much for the opportunity to hear from her and just pray your blessing on her life and her work and her home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.